This week we're talking everything orbital news. There's so much to catch up on. We've got Crew 2 up the International Space Station. Crew 1 made splashdown in the middle of the night. They're back. They're safe on Earth. And of course, we've got to talk about the drama with NASA's HLS contract. And of course, celebrating astronaut Michael Collins. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to Today in Space. I am your Space Science Podcast host, Alex Giorfanos. And we're back. We're back from a little bit of a hiatus. We had a kind of a a lighter month in April for, as far as episodes are concerned, but um, we're back. Uh, it's been great. Thank you all for, for hanging with us, uh, just taking care of stuff in life. We'll get we'll get into that in a little bit here. It's kind of what we talked about last episode, uh, just more of that and finding balance with everything. But a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of stuff has happened since then. Last week, we found out that we won two awards. Podcast has won two awards from our friends at the Scene Snobs. We won two snobby awards, uh, one for best science podcast and the other for best production value in podcast. So a huge, huge thanks to Mick Manhattan, the creator of the Scene Snobs Network, uh, for considering us for this award and for asking us to be a part of their network, the Scene Snobs Network. So I guess they haven't really discussed this, uh, but... Yes, Today in Space is joining the Scene Snobs Network, so our show will be on their network, and really glad to be a fixture of science content for their network, and for us to be able to spread love and spread science, you know, the mission here at the podcast, uh, to a really great and uh, growing community. So it's completely blown away and super, super appreciative. Yeah, honored. So so thank you again to uh, to Mick, and if, if you want to know more, more about Mick and really where he is come to, to to start this network we're going to have him on to talk more about this and how things have changed but he was on a an earlier version of the uh people of science segment from last year uh we spoke with mick we we talked about you know where you know he's he's in the movie space and you know, the scene snobs right for him we were talking about sci-fi and and all that different stuff and really what what is some of the the sci-fi movies that have you know been a staple in his passion for filmmaking and and production and and all of that. So, uh, if you want to learn more about Mick and where he's come from, and and kind of uh, more about him as a person, we've got that interview there in the People of Science. So go check that out to learn more about them. And and again, we'll we'll have Mick back on uh, to 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 talk more about this. Talk about how the network has grown and and growing a community and 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 having a, a place at the Scene Snobs Network where you know people who want to be creative and start their own podcast can do that. And it's been great to watch them grow. And now it's great to be a part of it. So that's awesome. So again, thank you, Scene Snobs. We appreciate it. We're gonna get get some version. I've got I've got images, which we're gonna have on this episode. But we're gonna try and make them awards because we also have our award here from our hometown media award from 2018 from our our local Newark Community Media, which was awesome. And that was the that was the award for audio programming and independent producing for the podcast so it's been really cool over the years to see how this podcast has grown and and yeah so honored to have all uh, to have all this, these uh amazing people reach out and work with them and then of course winning an award that's pretty sweet right but for this week's episode what we're going to do is since it was a light month last week there was a lot to cover and so a little more research and we wanted to make sure we were giving you guys good information. Also, a lot of stuff that had moving timelines. Uh, crew 1 was moving the SpaceX Crew Dragon to make room for the Crew 2 mission, which did launch. And that's first on our list here for Orbital News. And so Crew 2 
is now the first Crew Dragon to be reused. It was the Crew Dragon Endeavor that was first used for Demo 2 with Bob and Doug, and that's now docked again to the ISS after successfully launching from Cape Canaveral, Kennedy Space Center, Pad 39A, historic Pad 39A. And so the Crew 1 and Crew 2 crew had time to intermingle and, and, and show off both spacecraft and, and, and Crew Dragons, and it was really cool to see them work together and have... 11 people on board the International Space Station. First time since the Space Shuttle era. There were so many people up there. And after 100 and, let's see, Crew 1, after 167 days in space, which is a record for U.S. spacecraft since Apollo 8, since uh, 1968, that was the last time they were, uh, there was a U.S. spacecraft that spent that much time in space. That departed from the ISS around 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, May 1st, and had a splashdown around 3 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, May 2nd, so the middle of the night. Uh, and this made this made the second Crew Dragon launch and return for astronauts safely for Launch America. And is it's a huge, huge accomplishment, not only for SpaceX, not only for NASA, but for the space industry in general. You know, it's there we have this amazing pace that's happening right now where uh again where human space flight is alive and well and not only that just like talking about spacex right spacex everyone thinks spacex there's they're they're launching rockets they're launching spacecraft they're trying that crazy starship down in boca chica texas they also have an entire fleet of ships that actually have to work in the water and coordinate to pick up these astronauts when they splash down right and they did that in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, they went out there and with like laser focused precision, went out, grabbed the crew, came back and uh, just this giant coordination and symphony of people that are involved at SpaceX. I know uh, a lot of the discussion comes around, you know, these people that are at the head of it, you know, the figureheads, uh, whether it's NASA and, and, you know, there's like this faceless person behind NASA that every, when everyone talks about NASA, it's this faceless person, right? It's faceless human being. That's a, that's, that's, that's the head of the head of it. Right. And even with SpaceX, there's, there's Elon Musk with Blue Origin. There's Jeff Bezos, uh, with the ULA, Tori Bruno. So <laughs> you've got all these figureheads, but it's, it's so much more than that. There are, there is, you know, it takes a village. It, it literally takes a village of people. Some, in some cases, a city of people, a metropolitan of people to get this space industry and to get these people back. Just these four people, right, that we sent into space 167 days ago. It took this amazing crew of people to get in there and do it and make it look almost, you know, effortless and just flawless to go out there, grab and come back. And it's it's a whole nother aspect to uh, this this space industry and and really of of human spaceflight, right? Adding the the naval aspect to things is huge, and and it's not like you know SpaceX is the only ones that has a some kind of a fleet. I mean, the United Launch Alliance is famous for having their fleet, and they use that for transferring first stages and and different parts of the rocket uh, to and from where they're being manufactured because getting it on a ship and floating it across the water is a lot safer than driving it around. Uh, we all know what happens to our packages when, when they get delivered by, you know, whatever service it is. Um, sometimes they get beat up and sometimes it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, that there's a certain amount of them that aren't going to make it. But when you've got these million dollar rockets and, and technology that's super delicate in order for it to do the amazing stuff that it does, it makes sense that they would have their own fleets. Once you look at it that way, it's it's amazing. And you know, they're not just 
doing it for returning human beings, SpaceX has been doing that with Falcon 9s on the on the drone ships. Literally, if you follow people like NASA Spaceflight, there you you can watch their their robotic cameras as they come into the port at the Cape, and there's just there's just rockets coming in uh, <laughs> to get uh, processed and brought back in for refurbishment so they can be flown again. Like it's it's a whole production, and and I definitely want to get down to Florida again and 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 show that to you guys. Um, and kind of break it down and talk to some people down there that are doing that. But that that's all that's all for the future. But a big congratulations to the SpaceX crew, especially the crew on the water making this happen. You guys are amazing and uh, and awesome. Thank you for being as amazing as you are doing basically something we haven't done in was that a very long time, decades, if you will. So making it look easy, <laughs> which I'm sure it isn't. But ah, that that's just that's just uh, what's what's happened with human spaceflight in developmental spaceflight with Starship SN15 had its first successful test fire. I think it was uh, last week, and it was slated to attempt another high altitude test flight on Monday. This upcoming Monday, we're recording this on Sunday, May second. So May third is the next attempted test flight. Um, but you know, as we saw on I think it was Friday of last week. There was supposed to be another test flight. The weather wind shear was terrible, and that ended up getting scrubbed. And that is okay. We want a good test flight, and it's actually good because uh, the 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 fog was terrible that day too. So we could have had another, you know, SN11 type situation where we couldn't see anything. So it's good to see that they're pushing that off. If you're looking to follow that, I know a few people have asked. Uh, it is a little bit tricky. But luckily, we live in this age where there's so many people following the space industry and people that are way w more well-suited on the ground there watching. There's people like NASA Spaceflight, which uh, has their cameras across all the various places around the U.S. watching rocket technology and space technology develop, uh, whether it's Virgin Galactic or SpaceX or, or Blue Origin. Um, they are they are out there. They're great to follow. And of course, is Tim Dodd, the everyday astronaut, who also goes live for those things. Uh, and, I, and in fact, flipping between the two is really helpful. I usually have both. I have alerts for both, which is right, which is good. Um, so if you're on their YouTube pages, do like you would do for our page. Subscribe. Click subscribe. Click the bell. That way you get alerts. Do the same thing for these guys as well as Today in Space. You know, and if you follow SpaceX on Twitter and YouTube, uh, and, and get alerts from them, they will go live as soon as they're actually ready. So the good thing about Everyday Astronaut and NASA Spaceflight is they will take you through the entire process as as they're observing the rocket uh, Starship get ready for test flight. And there's a whole procedure just like there is with every kind of rocket launch. There's getting everything ready, then getting the fuel loaded, and then getting people to a safe distance so that they can do the test in case anything goes wrong. There are designated guidelines around to, to make sure that everyone is safe, right? So all of that process, NASA Spaceflight has a great like track record. They have giant Excel sheets where they're tracking all the times and then they're getting better at, at basically reverse engineering what the SpaceX uh, procedure is and they've gotten really good at the timing of it. So um, that's I really enjoy that. I learn something new every time I watch them. Uh, so they're really great. But if you're looking, if you only have time and, and energy to follow one, definitely SpaceX. And they will go live uh, as soon as they're ready to launch. So if you're looking for the last minute, jump on as soon as the alert happens. That's the way to do it. Uh, and, and that's it for Starship. We're 
fingers crossed for that. We're wishing them best of luck. Moving on, we have China has officially scheduled the landing of their Tianwen-1 rover to the surface of Mars, and that will be May 17th. So mark your calendars. Um, China will be attempting that. And uh, it's been attached. The rover has been attached to the orbiter since it arrived in March of this year, and now it's ready to attempt touchdown. So uh, I'm sure there will be some orbital moves to get the the rover in the right position for landing. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, you know, I think the most difficult thing about landing on Mars is usually you're taking that that slingshot to Mars to get there in time when the window is there about every two years. And a lot of people are going straight landers, so they're, they're basically like the Perseverance rover where they're trying to fly it there and then right from coming into basically proximity with Mars, attempting a landing almost immediately, and that's very fast, uh, and that, that makes it a more challenging landing. When we used to use inflatables to try and bounce on the surface, and we realized that wasn't good, and then they developed, NASA developed that sky crane, which has made now very successful use of landing rovers on Mars. And, of course, we got that amazing video of it last time, the actual footage of it coming in. With Tianwen-1, they took the approach of, Get the spacecraft there, have it attached to the orbiter, have the orbiter get there, take its time, take some orbits, do some science, and then get the spacecraft in a position where you can really more precisely and more, you know, I guess the word I'm looking for is safely um, or slowly release that spacecraft with less momentum, less energy behind it, which then makes the challenge of landing slightly simpler. <laughs> You're still dropping something from incredible heights, and you need a tremendous precision, especially with how unsmooth the surface of Mars is. So, um, so uh, best of luck to that team getting that done. Uh, other other news, orbital news for this week. Uh, we we say ad astra and, and and rest in peace for astronaut Michael Collins, who passed away recently. Um, and Michael Collins, uh, other than being a part of the early space race, but he, he was an astronaut who was uh, one of three people who was on the Apollo 11 mission, the first mission where humanity first stepped foot on the moon. And, of course, it's the historic mission. And Michael Collins, he was, he was uh, I think he's the astronaut that people... Uh, in general, the public knew least, but I think he's one of the more interesting astronauts on that mission. Obviously, there's Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong that everyone is aware of at that mission, and now we only have one of those human beings left. We only have Buzz Aldrin left, and uh, uh, personally, I'm, I'm kicking myself because uh, this whole last year, I was really trying to make an effort to reach out and speak with him, um, but he was he was dealing with cancer, and of course, at 90, um, has, has now passed away, and, and wish his memory to be eternal and 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 that you know the best tell to his family but uh you know this is a point where we are uh, just in 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 the scale of time the limits of being a human being and uh we are at this point where these pioneers and heroes from the original space race are just at that point by just natural causes the the you know michael collins was 90 when he passed away so we're at this point where these people are starting to pass away it reminds me of when I was working in the, injection, in the injection molding industry, it was one of the first jobs I had out. I was working at Westminster Tool. Great people, Ray Coombs, the Coombs family, and everyone that's down there. I remember the discussion we were having down there was they had a similar issue where these tool makers, these people that knew this incredible craft of science and engineering and manufacturing, of making these tools to make plastic parts of all kinds uh, and, and for all needs, and 
all those people were of retire all those experts were at retirement age and so they had all this knowledge in their head that they had passed down they used to have these um they used to have these books where these apprenticeship books where this entire book had everything you needed to do to get to the point where then you would become an expert toolmaker and your uh, mentor would check off every time that you finished and accomplished it so you had to go through this whole book and then when you were done your apprenticeship was over and now you were a toolmaker and so one of the things I, I was helping them with was figuring out a new way to, to create an apprenticeship program but something that represented something for this new generation and it was a wonderful amazing time one day we'll have Ray on here and, and we'll talk more about about that industry but to me I, I because I went through that and understood you know making sure that this information gets passed on as a as a space science podcaster like these people are the people I want to I want to speak with and now now that we're one of three now left with the people the human beings that that first step foot on the moon that really made space what it is today as an industry, uh, I, I am now more determined to speak to all those people, to be able to have a chance to talk to them and and share their stories and, and pass on what's what's happened before. It's, it's something we, we have to do. So Buzz Aldrin, if, if you're listening, well, we'd love to have you, and I'll definitely be reaching out to, to speak with you. And, and then you can tell us more about Neil and, and, and Michael Collins, and then tell us about what that mission was like. But definitely, definitely sad, but uh, what he's left behind is amazing. And, and I think the thing that fascinated, fascinated me the most about Michael Collins is, is his time in the capsule as it was orbiting the moon when Neil and Buzz were on the surface of the moon. He's alone in the spacecraft in orbiting the moon something went wrong you know he'd be the only one left and how does he get his his friends back and and make the mission but having him describe what it was like for him up there i i think a lot of people would think that would be terrifying and 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 like just the idea of being alone i think to a lot of people never mind physically alone but alone to your own thoughts i think most people are terrified of that idea and to hear him describe what it was like to be up there. He loved that. He, he, he described, I'm, I'm not going to be able to quote him. I don't have it in front of me, but talking about how amazing it was and that he had warm coffee there. So like, what a cool moment that is. To me, the only thing that comes close to thinking about that, uh, that kind of connection he must have had to the universe, right? Him being by himself with that silence, right? Where all you've got is that thin sheet of metal, basically, between you and the vacuum of space and the moon is right there your view is incredible and you know what the mission is you know what your next step are steps are and and you've planned for this now you're just in the moment right and you're able to just now go through it because you've got the plan you know what you're doing and just be aware of where you are the only thing i can relate that to is where i get to a point where i've done enough meditating and i get into a groove of it where i find um a moment of just being present uh and how cool would that have been and uh and and he's one of only a few handful of, of human beings who have ever experienced that and now our segue to artemis this is where we're building ourselves back up right we're building ourselves back up so now we can send more humans not only to the moon and not only just for a landing and then a return to come back, but setting up the infrastructure to be able to do this long-term 
to then make it the gateway, right? Where we've got another station around the moon where, like Tianwen-1, where we can take the safer approach of let's get a spacecraft into orbit, let's dock with the space station at the moon, and then we can take a lander down to the surface of the moon with uh, a little bit more, uh, with, with less energy behind the spacecraft, right? So we can we can have a little bit more control in doing that. And then we've got the opportunity to start building a colony, a place to live, wh whatever it is that we want to do. That is what Na NASA's Artemis program is. So for anyone that's brand new to this, Artemis is NASA's twin sister program to Apollo. Artemis being uh, Apollo's twin sister. Artemis is our ability to, is this mission to, allow NASA and America to send human beings to the moon again, but most importantly, sending the first woman to step foot on the moon. That is what our, NASA's Artemis program is. Now, what NASA wanted to do was to invest in three different companies, Dynetics, uh, the national team, which included Blue Origin and all the other monopoly uh, contractors, the people that have been in the space industry the longest, some of the big, big hitters, big players in the space industry that became this national team. And then there was, of course, SpaceX with their Starship. And we talked about it last episode. NASA selected SpaceX as the single human landing system investment they were going to go with for the NASA Artemis program. And part of what we saw as that choice being was not only investing in landing, in the, landing on the moon, but also having another spacecraft and architecture that could then be applied to Mars which is ultimately what the Starship was made for originally for SpaceX. Going to the moon, great, but the original idea was we need to go to Mars and colonize Mars. That's part of SpaceX's origin and myth and, and mythos, mythos, uh, not uh, mythology, <laughs> or it, it is what they are, are based and created for, right, is, is making human life interplanetary, and Mars is the goal. And recently, the drama begins, recently, uh, there were protests filed by both Blue Origin and Dynetics to understand why they weren't chosen for the contract. Now, the first contract was each company was given an amount of money so that they could develop their plan uh, for what they were what they were going to do and provide as a human landing system. For uh, SpaceX and Starship, they they've been working on their plan for a long time. So basically, the question is. What does this mean for SpaceX and Starship? Does this mean that SpaceX now has to stop developing uh, because of this halt, because of this litigation that needs to be resolved from these protests? Um, and, the, and the answer is no, no. Starship does not stop. What what does stop is the added money that this contract would, would provide to allow SpaceX to continue funding of this project. The great thing is that SpaceX is funding this project by themselves as well. So they're flying Falcon 9s, and they're also offering Starlink as a service as a way to fund Starship, regardless of, of the funding that they get from NASA. Now, luckily, NASA has been working very closely with SpaceX, and so they've been able to see, it seems, enough of Starship for them to warrant the fact that they agree that SpaceX has what it takes and that this Starship will be doable and usable as not only the option for Artemis to land on the moon, but also the spacecraft used to land on Mars. So progress does not stop. Both companies, however, Dynetics and Blue Origin, are completely in the right to protest this decision and ask why SpaceX was won over them. They they 
definitely deserve an answer. And I think it'll be great because that will then force NASA to reveal the decision making, right? What, what was the reason that they, they chose uh, for choosing SpaceX over everybody else? Because as we've discussed here many times in the podcast, uh, you know, for, for the national team to lose to uh, to lose the contract to SpaceX, and even Dynetics, even Dynetics, who's who's been a contractor for a very long time for for NASA, um, for both of them to not get it, it means and points to the amount of trust that NASA has. Now we just we talked we started this episode talking about Crew Two and Crew One, right? SpaceX is delivering on human spaceflight more than any other of the big giants in the space industry, or or even the 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 old faithfuls of, of the space industry. So, you know, a, a lot of this comes from uh, from NASA just working behind the scenes and a lot of that not being discussed. So it, it does seem like it comes out of nowhere. But, I mean, as we just discussed, we were just listening to uh, one of the questions asked during a recent press conference uh, about SpaceX and the Crew Dragon in, in lieu of Crew 1 coming back. There is... There are NASA employees with offices, with desks, inside of SpaceX. So they're literally inside the organization, and they have just a, a huge insight into what it means for SpaceX to work every day and what that day-to-day is, what the employees are like, everything. They are there. And so it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing time for, uh, for us to figure out what was you know what has SpaceX done to change NASA's mind from what they've been doing for so long? Uh, and I think a big part of that has to be that just SpaceX has not only talked to talk but walked the walk, right? They've 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 shown to NASA that they're good, and I'm sure NASA has uh, for a while there was telling them no 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 don't do it that way do it this way, and SpaceX has listened and changed their ways. So. We will see what happens, but the drama continues and continues to unfold, and we'll keep you up to date on uh, on what that means. To close to close out this episode, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the balance. We we did a last episode, and I didn't want this to be a whole another episode about me talking about the problems I'm going with, and I and I hope that these <laughs> these balance episodes don't come across. I, I really try hard not for it to come across as a uh, as you know me complaining or or whatever about what's going on in my life. Um, I really try to make sure I've I've gone through whatever it is I'm going to talk about it, and I've had enough time to think about it and and make strides on it, right? Make changes on it. Uh, I've actually taken action on something, and I'm not just sitting here, uh, like I said, complaining. So, one of the things we talked about last week was me adjusting to this big change, everything, new job, uh, new way of of just everyday life, right? So for a year, basically, I was working from home every single day. And uh, which was amazing and awesome that I could do that. Many people can't. Um, but basically, one day every two weeks, I could go into the office. And now I've got to go uh, every about four days. So that's that's a huge change. Uh, you know, I've also spend a lot of time on the computer, about ten to fourteen hours a day, even at my day job, regardless of whether it was the last one or this one. Uh, as a, as a as a working scientist, a working engineer, uh, that is part of my life. So, um, yeah, so I'm trying to find the balance for that. And the really cool thing is that, you know, I get to, whenever I get to this point where I'm stressed out about how much I can get done and am I putting enough time into this podcast and, and all the other things that I'm doing, um, you know, I'm really glad that I, I 
fell in love with this idea of being a working scientist and, and not being so focused on making this podcast my day-to-day job because I, I love doing this podcast and there was a period there where I was uh, I tried really hard to to try and make it be something that could that could pay all my bills and I started losing love for it so I realized that it was actually way better for me as a science communicator right to be in the industry and also do this so this podcast has evolved and changed over time right um, one of the people I look up to for this is Carl Sagan Carl Sagan I I, I dove into him. I knew of him, and I knew that he did Cosmos, and I knew he was part of Voyager, but I I didn't really look into, I just didn't know enough. And so in college, I was going back to it, and it's right around the time I was learning this podcast. And I just, I love this idea of being a worker scientist, right? Being in the field, sharpening your tools of science and, 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 and the scientific mindset, but also then applying it and then educating people, teaching people, talking to people about science, right? And he did that with Cosmos. He did that with those live science demonstrations of the past. We don't really have those now anymore, but those were wild times. Um, and so so thinking about Carl Sagan and thinking about, you know, it's not like he had a podcast every single week that he was putting out. There, there was it was a large amount of work, right? He was, he was working a day job, but then he would take time to uh, produce Cosmos. And, 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 that's the balance I'm trying to find with this. And so right now I'm in, I'm in the process of figuring out how to make this work my work for me and not against me and, and also still provide a podcast. So one of the things we're thinking about doing is right now we have the YouTube and the podcast, the audio part of the podcast as kind of the same thing, right? So basically, I'll record the podcast, then I'll, I'll release that first on everywhere, it was Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcast, right? And the audio version's up, and that's nice and quick, I can get it done, right? Because I've been doing this long enough that part of it is just sitting down and doing it, right? That's that's That makes it fast. The real part that's been difficult managing time-wise has been then adding the video right this week we've got we've got our 4k video and you can see us in the studio here but but this part takes a lot because i want the video aspect to add value right i don't want you to just come on for a video um, but i want to add value to this and so what we would do is add add actual images and video so that you can then dive deeper into these complex topics and and, and maybe learn more get more out of it right um, but keeping them in parallel is, is a lot, especially for one person to do, especially now. So right now, uh, it's just not scalable for me to continue doing that right at this time. So I'm trying to figure out a way to keep both going to make sure that we're putting out stuff weekly, but also, you know, be, be, be good about what we're doing. So on the YouTube, I want to split it away from the audio podcast a little bit. We're still going to release the full episode, but we've actually been seeing good success. And I know podcasts like Bill Burr's podcast, he doesn't have any video. And he's one of the top podcasts of people, just one person talking to a microphone to a bunch of people, right? <laughs> he, he has full things. And he's not alone. You know, there's plenty of people that want to do that. So I think that's how on a, on a weekly basis, how we'll do it with the YouTube channel. The full episode will be available whether you're on YouTube or, or listening just on the audio side of things. But it also gives us a chance to kind of do more controlled segments on the YouTube page and, 
and, and really expand off of our social media post, right? If you're following us on social media, Today in Space Pod on Instagram, Today in Space Podcast on Facebook, Today in Space on TikTok, all of those places we're going to use as a way to set up what we're discussing on the podcast and then tie all of that in. So even if we don't have a podcast out that week, you can still check out Today in Space and get something relatively every day and stay up to date on what's going on is that we are releasing something every day today in space. That's why we named it that, <laughs> to get there eventually. So this is going to let us uh, do something different. Our, our People of Science interviews where we talk to people who are working in the industry, who who uh, use science in their everyday life and talk about what why they're passionate and why they're in the field. Those will still have video and, and all that stuff. So basically what I'm saying is, uh, and what I hope to portray, this is like with the balance, is like, when you get to the point where you have to make a decision where things are not the same and that it requires a change, the faster that you get to realizing that and then taking action on that, the better off you're going to be, even in just your own mindset, right? Like, I feel so much better now knowing that, you know, we're going to take action on this. And if, if, I, if I mess it up and it doesn't work, then we'll change it back. And we'll go back to it and I'll figure out another way. But the thing that uh, is, is progressed from my kind of like early 20s thinking is like uh, back then as, as a younger Alex, uh, past Alex, I, I would have just kind of perseverated on that and then gotten really like just every day would have just been bothering myself and, and making myself miserable and anxious about the fact that we couldn't put it out, right? And I'm not saying that I've gotten much farther than that, but but I've at least gotten to the point where I can get to a place where I'm like, all right, enough is enough. Let's make an action and let's do this. So that's that. Though, that's my two cents for the balance for this week um, and just letting you know how things might change. Uh, I'm sure for a lot of folks, I know by the numbers, most people are listening to this podcast, so most of you won't be affected. But the YouTube folks, things will change, but I think better for that platform, right? Because now... It allows us to actually do YouTube as YouTube is designed instead of just putting up stuff from the podcast and then trying to do that weekly. It, uh, we're getting, we're working smarter, not harder, right? So that's that's that in practice. So expect to see all of that. And if you haven't already, go to the YouTube page, subscribe, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, and finally, one of the things to look out for at our uh at AG3D Printing, our 3D printing lab, where we bring our ideas into reality, uh, we've met a lot of really cool people, whether it's through doing this podcast or me working in the 3D printing industry, whether it's through my own business, AG3D Printing, or the other 3D printing businesses that I've worked for. Um, I've met a lot of really cool people. And uh, one of my friends, Andrew Sink, who has a YouTube channel, uh, an amazing YouTube channel about 3D printing, where he teaches people what what he's doing and, and, and how to 3D print and and as amazing time lapses, they're really great. And we're going to have them on soon to talk about it. But our friend Andrew Sink sent us a uh, one of the 3D printers that he bought to do a review on. And that uh, was sent to us. And so we're super appreciative. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, and, and so what we have to do is create a lot of amazing things on there and then share it with you. So that's that's the deal. So uh, we're in the middle of, I just, uh, I just unpackaged that the other day. It is a... Uh, an SLA 3D printer. So the 3D printers we have right now in our lab are FDM or uh, Fusion Deposition Modeling or Fused Filament Fabrication, FFF. That's like the plastic. That's the typical one you'll see people 
um, have in their homes, right? Um, whether it's uh, the labs you have in school or, or whatever else it is, those 3D printers are, are the piece of filament. You put it through a nozzle and you're, you're printing layers uh, like this stuff here, right? So we've got uh, this is this stuff here. The SLA printers, uh, the old ones, the other ones, the more expensive ones will use the original technology, use lasers, right? So it was a vat of resin and a top that comes down and then the, the laser would etch the shape and it would form the resin and then the top would come up and then come back down to add the next layer. And then you'd form this thing that's being built upside down and it's super high resolution, uh, not large, but you could do some pretty amazing things. And this 3D printer that he sent us, this Lot Max um, CH10, it's the iron box. Uh, we're going to be talking about that more. We're going to be sharing what we're going to do. But basically in the background in between things, I'm going to be testing that out and, and tweaking it and playing with it and seeing how to dial in those settings so that we could start creating some really amazing stuff. So we will eventually here show little videos that will be on AG3D Printing. That's at AG3D Printing on Instagram. Twitter, and then of course uh, at ag3d-printing.com, and that's where you can check everything out. That's how we fund the podcast. We have our Etsy shop at ag3dprinting.etsy.com. All of that stuff, whether it's through uh, a service where you get something 3D printed from us, or uh, buying something from our affiliate link on our website, and of course uh, buying something on our Etsy page, which is a product that we've designed, uh, and, and it can get to you. That's the way that it funds this podcast. That's how we keep things going. And uh, that has been very busy lately. Honestly, I think one of the things that's been difficult to manage is we've had a lot of work on the AG3D printing side, and I've just had to make time for it. So uh, it's it's good stuff that's happening in the background. It's not just uh, mental health and, and physical things that we're dealing with, but it's also um, we're busy. We're busy, and that's a good thing. And so um, we wish the same for you. We wish at, at the very least that you're healthy, that you stay that you keep your mind straight and that you're able to just keep yourself busy so that uh, you can push through everything that we're going through. It's a crazy, crazy time. We're a year into this nonsense and uh, yeah, we're still going. So um, be good, uh, stay well, spread love and spread science. Be good and we'll see you on the next episode of Today in Space. See you next time.